When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers. My name is Orlando, joined as always by Jared Cowley, Nate Hansen, Max Barr on the ones and twos. So good to be back, guys. First and, and foremost, shout out to a lot of the people that have been showing love to the podcast. I feel like this past week or so, I've had quite a few people reach out and, and mention the podcast and talk about the podcast. So I just wanted to say thank you. We appreciate everybody who, who's taking the time to check it out. Please give us those reviews, subscribe, let other people know. Uh, it goes a long way for us in, in helping the podcast grow. So. Thank you guys so much for doing so. That that was really cool to see other people uh, listening and engaging in it. Um, I've really enjoyed that, and I know uh, you guys have too. Especially when they shout you out and say how right you are versus how wrong you are. Like Nate, I think had a had a pretty good call in terms of a potential CJ Ellaby game. It was about the only thing I got right regarding the 76ers game last week. So I said, you know, I said, like everyone else, I thought the Blazers going to get blown out. And it was fun to see them come out and win and win the way they did just in the second half, completely dominate the 76ers. And it was, you know, it's always fun seeing uh, guys who either you're not used to see playing at all, like CJ Ellaby or guys who maybe haven't been playing well. It's always fun to see them have uh a good game out of nowhere. And CJ Ellaby, that performance certainly came out of nowhere. And as a Coug, I'm always happy to see it. And I hope I hope he has many more up his sleeve in his Blazers career. I don't think we'll be seeing many more this year. But you never know. Can't count the guy out, obviously. Yeah, it was, it was good to see uh, people calling for CJ Ellaby now uh, whenever things go wrong because, you know, he played so well in that uh, 76ers game. And so the Blazers, you know, they've won three out of their last four games now. And uh, it didn't go the way we thought it would in terms of which games they would win and which ones they would lose. You know, surprisingly winning that 76ers game, you know, they're without Damian Lillard, as well as CJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, and, you know, just the list of of banged up players on that roster. So what a trip. Um, There's, there always seems to be something week to week with this team once we think we have them figured out and you know little little do we know we're, we're humbled by, by our our picks and and they come out and play the way they did um but then they kind of get back to chalk and defeating the the magic in a 106 97 victory and so uh speaking yeah. of chalk one of our uh loyal listeners mike in japan on twitter 
he reached out to me after they uh they lost to the Knicks and he said, So much for going chalk for the week. And you are also confident, LOL. <laughs> so you know, hit us with your love, hit us with your hate. It's all good. <laughs> we were confident, man. We were flying high. We picked the week before all perfectly right. It looked like it was gonna be, you know, loose at least we were right that they'd go two and one over the three yeah, games. Obviously, right. uh we didn't predict which two they'd win correctly, but they uh, they kept on the path we thought they were going to go here, two and one in those three games. They did what they needed to do. I've learned in, in most cases when all of us are on the same page about something, it's basically the kiss of death mm. in terms of just jinxing it. Um, even the most predictable scenarios turn into quite the opposite. But um, overall, a, a pretty solid week for the Trailblazers. Um, they closed out the road trip, their six-game road trip, longest of the season so far, uh, splitting, going three and three. So, Jared, just your overall thoughts on where the, the team is at after, you know, coming home, getting that win over the Magic after a really long road trip. Yeah, they're, they're where they need to be. I mean, we've talked about this every week for the past, you know, ever since CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic got hurt. They just need to stay around 500 and tread water until those guys get back. And that's what they're doing. And uh, that's happening for a myriad of reasons for, but, um, but they're doing what they need to do. It's not, you know, that Philadelphia win was so unexpected. It was, it was really fun. And uh, the Knicks loss was a bit of a, you know, a come down from that just because you thought, okay, maybe they can close it out here with a, you know, you know, really strong four and two road trip, but three and three, you tell, any of us that they'd go three and three on that road trip going into it, you'd say, we'll take that. So um, they're doing what they need to do. Yeah. And they're doing what what we all expected them to do. We're on this podcast whenever those injuries happen saying that we thought they could survive, you know, this stretch without uh, CJ and Nerf. You know, I think Jared said something like based on his, you know, just looking at the schedule, he thought they could be 17 and 18. I said, I thought the Blazers could be 18 and 17. And right now they're, they're, you know, a little bit better than 500. They still got some tough games coming up uh, the rest of this first half of the schedule, but they're, they're doing exactly what we thought they would do, that they would be competitive against a lot of the NBA. There'd be some games they lose, some games they win. And then there's going to be a few matchups like the Bucks, where they're just not going to be able to match up. And we thought the 76ers would be one of them, and we got that pleasant surprise uh, mm-hmm. that they got the win. And, you know, winning a game like they did against the 76ers affords them a rare luxury with the roster they have right now to lose a game like they do against the Knicks. Winning that Knicks game would have been more important, I feel, if they had lost to the 76ers the couple days before. But they had kind of stolen a win, so it gives yourself an opportunity to not have to win all these close games or these games that you think that you identify on the schedule as must-wins for them right now. So the Blazers go 13 and 10 now on the season. Even Damian Lillard had said, we'll take it. Like those, those were his exact words, you know, after the, the road trip. And another thing that's been really cool before we dive into our question and answer portion of the pod uh, that I think deserves a little bit of recognition is just how cool it's been to witness what Carmelo Anthony is doing coming off of the game he had against the Magic and having a season high in points and moving up to 12th on the NBA's all-time scoring list. It's a really unique and and fun thing for Trailblazers fans to be a part of that uh, and to also hear Carmelo Anthony reciprocate and mention how much uh, he's enjoyed the love that the city, the team, the organization has given him in his short time in Portland. 
uh, that was a lot of fun in, in a game that was kind of boring. I mean, as close yeah. to a, a yep. blowout as you're going to get for the Blazers winning, I thought that was without the more Without it actually being a blowout. <laughs> yeah, without it actually being a blowout. Like, that's as close as it gets for the Blazers, at, at least right now with the way the roster is constructed <laughs> with so many injuries, man. So I thought that was a lot of fun to see Melo ball out like that. Yeah, it's a good reminder just how good his career has been as a scorer. Uh, because, you know, we all – we all have our opinions about Melo, and I think they've certainly been changed a little bit since he's come to Portland in terms of the type of player and person that he is. Uh, but, you know, there were some people who weren't, you know, just thought, yeah, he scored a lot of points, but, you know, they really didn't mean that much. And you can have that debate if you want to, but the company he's in right now, it's, it's, it's crazy, actually, to think of the names that he's being mentioned with. It's Oscar Robertson. Next up is Akeem Olajuwon. Like, these are... These aren't just Hall of Famers. These are like all-time greats that he's surpassing on this list. So it's really impressive uh, for Melo to, to have the longevity scoring that he's ended up having, especially a year out of the league. I just wish he could do it in front of fans. Mm-hmm. I know we're going to get fans back in the buildings when it's the right time, and that's fine. But watching these moments and watching when Melo gets on these scoring kicks where he scores, you know, nine, ten points in a row, those are really fun moments. And it's just watching the games – you're taking it. It's it's not as impactful as it would be if if you you heard the the, the crowd going crazy, you know that piped in noise. It's better than nothing, I suppose. But it's still you always know it's it's fake noise. And so I wish he could be doing this and and setting these milestones in front of fans. But it is what it is. You know the fan that. noise is a bit of a trade off because yeah, you don't get him cheering when he scores the points, but you can hear it every time he gets a rebound. So, you know, <laughs> you get a little trade off there. I enjoy, I enjoy uh, the rebound mellow. That That's get. true. I like, I do like that. <laughs> Please take out all crowd noise when a potential mellow <laughs> rebound is upon us. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I love that you brought that up, Jared, because even Mello had said if there was one thing that he wished, you know fans could could have been a part of, of moments like this because it's, it's just something that he wishes he could share with fans that have supported him in the same way and it is such a bummer because I can I, I know what the Moda Center would have been like uh, to you know is the moment that he passes the big O what uh, the fans cheering his name during a timeout and whatnot that would have been really cool yep all right guys you know how we roll three questions three answers Question number one, the Blazers five and five since CJ and Nurk went down with their injuries nearly a month ago and still sit in fifth place in the Western Conference. What's the biggest reason the Blazers have been able to survive so far? I'll, I'll take the start on this one. Uh, my gut instinct when first heard the question was to just say Damian Lillard because, you <laughs> That's know. That's the right answer. Well, that, there you go. We can talk about that then. But I'm not going to say Damian Lillard. And maybe it's just. I'm taking Dame for granted. It could be because we've seen him do this before. But the team is 5-5. Five and five. They're 500. But last year they had the injuries, uh, and they weren't a 500 team. Granted, much longer stretch than the 10 games we're talking about here. Uh, but the reason I think they've been better so far this year and the reason we thought they could survive versus last year is because of the depth. And so I'm going to say that's the biggest reason why they're 5-5. Five and five right now is, is because of the depth. And I think we have to give Neil Olshay a little bit of credit on this because, uh, you know, his big thing in the offseason was they wanted to get defensive players. But the other thing we talked about before the season that we noticed that clearly was a goal was to add depth to this roster. 
in case an injury situation like last year happened. So you could weather a storm and you're playing actual NBA players, you know, big minutes to fill, to fill those injuries. And last year, the Blazers didn't have that. Uh, they're 29 and 37 going into the bubble. Let's, let's talk about the players that they had alongside Dame and CJ last year. Let's just take a, Do we have trip, to? <laughs> a, a trip down memory lane, shall we say, uh, into the roster the Blazers had last year. So there's four players that, that got minutes for the most part last year that are still on the roster. They're Mello, who's now a bench player that signed for the minimum, but he was playing 35-plus minutes a game last year for the Blazers. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., who broke out right before the bubble but isn't the player now that he was when he first started getting minutes last year for the Blazers. You had Anthony Simons, who was one of the least efficient players in the NBA last year. And you had Nasir Little, who wouldn't have been on the floor except for the fact they needed bodies and was a rookie. Otherwise, he wouldn't have seen the floor last year. Let's talk about the guys who are no longer on the roster. Hassan Whiteside, he was probably the third best player for the Blazers last year. He signed for the minimum this year and is playing 14 minutes a game for the Kings. Kent Bazemore. Bazemore Island, Orlando, your man. Uh, he's playing 15 minutes a game this year for the Golden State Warriors. And the Blazers, of course, traded him partway through the year. Trevor Ariza uh, hasn't played a game this year yet for the Thunder. That's more with, to deal with off-court issues. But the Thunder aren't necessarily, you know, pulling Trevor Ariza's arm to come back and play for them and get on the floor. Uh, Winyan Gabriel, who, who's played three games, I believe, this year for the New Orleans Pelicans. And now we're going to get into some names here. Scalabissier, not on a team in the NBA. Anthony Tolliver, not on a team in the NBA. Mario Hazonia, not on a team in the NBA. Caleb Swanigan, not on a team in the NBA. And so this year, the guy's playing along Dame uh, with CJ and Nurkout. You know, you got Gary Trent Jr., who, at the, who is definitely a good bench player, if not an NBA starter level player. Robert Covington, starter. Derek Jones Jr., borderline starter, probably a bench player on most teams, but a replaceable player. And his Cantor, probably a bench player, but can step in and play, give you good NBA minutes. Rodney Hood, he's a contributor. Carmelo Anthony, not playing 35 minutes a game. Great. Much better. Uh, Anthony Simons, improved better than he was last year. So you took these guys who are no longer in the league a year later, and you've replaced them with guys who are regular good bench players and if need to play starters minutes from time to time can fill that role. And so to me, that's the biggest difference. That's the biggest factor as to why they've been able to stay afloat. And Dame has been great. And maybe I'm taking it for granted. Orlando's going to tell me I'm wrong. But I'm going to say the reason they've stayed afloat so far is because of that depth. Dude, I can't believe that's only been a year ago or a season ago. Like, was, oh, my that was goodness. a depressing list, man. <laughs> like, and those dudes were playing. It's not yeah. like you're just naming guys that were on the roster. Like, they were receiving minutes, like valuable 20, minutes. They're playing 20, 25 or more minutes <laughs> a night, all of those guys. You know, Anthony Tolliver was the first starter they went to after Zach Collins got hurt that season. Yeah. Like, that's who they were bringing up. There, there was no depth on that team, and they have it this year. Like, I feel like you should have put out a triggered warning or something before you get <laughs> that list. Well, I gave, I gave the memory lane pause so people knew where we were going. Oh. <laughs> Isn't memory lane supposed to be positive? Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, we got to relive Baysmore Island. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was fun, man. <laughs> All right, I'll give Nate a little bit of credit here. He's right. Ennis Cantor and Gary Trent Jr. in particular, they're holding down the fort. They're filling in as ably as they can for C.J. McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic. Um, also, something you didn't mention that I think does should be mentioned is the Blazers' schedule. It certainly hasn't been a cupcake, but it's not been a killer either. They're not playing teams night in, night out that they just can't beat. Yeah. Um, they're not really good beating good teams right now. If you look back at the teams that they are getting wins against, um, except for the 76ers win, it's the Knicks, the Bulls, the Wizards, and the Magic. And those four teams are 25 games under 500 combined. So they've been able to stay afloat because they've had their depth step up. So Nate is right about that. And their schedule has been easy enough that they've been able to at least stay around 500. But the only answer to this, Nate, the oh, only no. correct answer to this is okay. Damian Lillard. That's why they're five and five over this stretch. Well, well now I'm glad I went with yeah. the depth because if we all said <laughs> Damian Lillard, this would be a far more boring conversation. I agree with you on that. Yeah. And I, I did yeah. want to give you some credit to, you know, backing up your points because they're valid points. But, but take Damian Lillard out of the equation. I don't know, maybe two wins in the stretch. Maybe uh, yeah, being generous. Yeah. So, yes, it's an obvious answer, but I think we can also take a look at how much difference Dame makes beyond just looking at his stats, and they've been awesome. I mean, over the past 10 games, 32 points, about eight assists, four rebounds, 47% from the field, 41% from three. That's great. But the Blazers, they're 13 and 10, like we talked about. They're in fifth place in the West, but if you look at their point differential, it's negative 0.8, and that ranks 11th in the Western Conference. And smart basketball minds will tell you that point differential is a better barometer over time to determine a team's strength than win-loss record. If you go look at ESPN's expected winning percentage, which takes into account a team's strength of schedule, the Blazers' record should be 11 and 12. But their record is not 11 and 12. They're not ranked 11th in the West right now. They're 13 and 10, and they're ranked 5th. And ESPN has their RPI at 8 in the NBA. And the reason is because Damian Lillard is taking this team, which should not be this good, which should not be three games over 500, which should not be in fifth place in the West, which should not have a, an RPI ranking of eight. And he's making them that good because of how clutch he is, because of how good he is. And the Blazers passed five wins, taking out the Philly win, which Dame sat out. The Blazers have won those games by an average of six points. And in those four games, Damian Lillard averaged 37.8 points and was a plus 34. Take him out of those games, they're not winning. So the real reason the Blazers have been able to stay afloat right now, with all due credit to you know, their depth, to, to players like Ennis Cantor and Gary Trent Jr., um, with a, the caveat that their schedule has been easy enough, is because Dame Lillard is carrying them while waiting for CJ and Nurk to get back. So let's keep Damian Lillard, for the sake of my argument, let's keep Damian Lillard healthy, not remove him from the team. Because regardless of who else is playing for the Blazers, you take Damian Lillard out, they're going to take a step back. Yeah. Uh, if you give Damian Lillard the players he had last year instead of the players he has this year, is the team still 5-5 five and five over these last 10 games? That's kind of – that's where my argument comes in. I don't think they would be. So like I said, yeah, you'd be that's, playing, you'd be that's playing four question. guys who aren't even in the league anymore. I mean, with the with with that roster, I just, it's possible they they could still beat the bad teams. Okay. Um, but you're right. I mean, the 
the team around Dame is deeper this season. He does have better talent around him, even that they've been able to weather this storm. But in my mind, it's 100%. If you're, if you're taking, if you're looking for the biggest reason and you're ranking the reasons, you know, Damian Lillard depth, strength of schedule, I, I have to put Lillard at right at the top. He's more important to this team than Ennis Cantor and, and Gary Trent Jr. There's no, there's no denying that, that, that fact right there. Uh, the other thing I would say that works in favor of your argument in terms of the Blazers, you know, winning games they probably shouldn't be winning or at least closing out games is they've been really good in clutch games this year. Right. They're eight and three this year in clutch games. And so they've been, that's the third best winning percentage in the NBA this year in clutch games. And I was, I looked that up this morning. I was surprised. They're only behind two teams, the 76ers and the Lakers, who the Blazers have actually both beat this year, which is like their two marquee wins. So, but they've been good in close games. And Damian Lillard, you're right, is a big reason for it. That's speaking of, of clutch. That's like one of the, the things that I think about as I'm watching the Blazers games is as they head into the fourth quarter, how close are they? If they can get to within two possessions, I think they have yeah. a chance to win it just because of Dame. I'm like, if they can get the ball in his hands, I think they have a chance to win a lot of these games. And when I was looking, uh, Jared, I'm glad that you you brought it up because that was really my other point besides just Dame being amazing. Um, is that yeah, they've they've benefited from a somewhat weak schedule. So even when they do play a really good team, they're backed up with a really bad team. Yeah, and so that helps out. Like you'll take that, I think, versus some of playing a bunch of middle of the pack or playoff contender type teams where every single night is a grind. Like if you get worked, cool, like rest up, get ready for the next game, run it back, split. Like I'm okay with that. And, and just looking at the schedule over the past, you know, week or two, that's been a nice thing to, to see. And I think that's why also why I've been optimistic about this team during just the turmoil that, that they're experiencing. But yeah, uh, lucky to to have Damian Lillard on the team and see what he's doing. But yeah, I mean, credit where credits due. I mean, the role players have have stepped up. Nate, I don't I don't think there's necessarily a, a wrong answer to this yeah. question because it, it definitely is a combination of a lot of different things. But yeah, and I, I had I've had quite a few Ennis Cantor fans in my DMs lately or in my mentions, <laughs> I should say, saying why well, I don't give Ennis enough love, you know, and I'm like. Dude, props to Ennis Cantor. We like, love Ennis Cantor. Yeah, I mean, what are you talking about? You know, um, the guy's been just a, a double-double machine. He's contributed. He's been so consistent for this team. And obviously my boy Gary Trent Jr. Uh, can, continues to shine and, and is getting a lot more comfortable in his role. And uh, it's, it's good to see. So, yeah, I mean, the role players are stepping up. Guy, guys are have embraced the challenge and I think are taking advantage of the opportunity that they've been given. Yeah. It does feel a little bit like they're uh, – I think when we looked at could they survive, could they kind of stay around 500, I think that the way I looked at it, I was looking at it the most in the most optimistic way I could. And I do feel like they're kind of teetering on the edge of a knife here. Because if you look at that, you know, the expected record that ESPN has that I, I, I mentioned, that 11 and 12, that's a two-game swing, basically. You take away the Bulls win, which Dame – is the only reason they won that game. And you take away like one other win that, you know, they won by one point or something like that. Then they are, they're 11 and 12. And. But, but if you wanted to play that game, you could play it the other way. Uh, 
if he wanted to. Yeah, that's totally true. Because they could have won the Houston game. You know, yep. that was a game that they played well and could have won at the end. And the same with Oklahoma City. That was a game that they could have potentially won in the fourth quarter too. So it's gone both ways for them. Like I said, they've they've had this this little run of they picked up some wins maybe they shouldn't have picked up, and that affords them, you know, a letdown loss here or there. But I they are, I think, at the edge of our optimism in terms of where yeah. they've gotten, which is kind of cool at this point. Yeah, this is kind definitely. of their their MO and their their identity too, is playing with fire. Even when yeah. Even when healthy, this is kind of who they are. Like they don't, they don't close teams out very often. Like they're not winning by 25, 30 points a night, you know, like the elite teams are. So you have those swings where it's really close. And yeah, you met, you mentioned, you know, smart people that, that love the uh, point differential. So do gamblers, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they love to bet on, on teams that way. It's a, it's a great way to identify just how good a team really is. And yeah, the Blazers are, are just in the middle there where one little thing can swing you one way or the other. But if the ball is in Damian Lillard's hands, I feel like it's, it's nothing but positive for the, for the Blazers. Yep. All right, guys. Question number two, Gary Trent Jr. Continues to excite Blazers fans with his level of play since the team has been shorthanded. What's his ceiling? Which player would you guys compare him to? What take it think? away, Jared, because you were teasing that you were really excited uh, about this. So take it away, man. Well, I said I like my player at comp, and I'm, I'm, I'm just yeah. – I think it's – after I came up with it, I felt it was kind of obvious, and so I hope you guys don't have, like, the same player comparison. It's always I'm better. Expecting fire. Differing answers. Fire. I'm I can't bring fire, fire with this. It's a question about Gary Tritt Jr. He's outstanding. See, look, I, he should get the human torch nickname. He was way better than Terrence Ross. Well, Terrence Ross was all right last night. So. Gary Trent yeah, deserves the human torch nickname. Man, like we talked about, he's been one of the reasons the Blazers have been able to stay afloat. Uh, having a player who can approximate CJ McCollum's production, not completely replace it for sure, has been really valuable to the team right now. Um, if you remember back the first two games – after McCollum got hurt, Trent Jr. struggled a little bit. He didn't start. He was playing about 22 minutes a game. He put up 13 total points in those two games and shot three for 10 from three. But since he was putting in the starting lineup eight games ago, he's been really good. He's playing about 36 minutes per game, and he's averaging about 19 points, three rebounds, two assists, and more than a steal per game. And he's shooting the ball from three very well, as he always does, about 44%. Um, I was thinking about that question, what is Gary Trent's ceiling? And that's a tough one to come up with. I don't really know, like, you know, how good can he be? Can he be an all-star level player? I don't know. I don't know if that's his ceiling. I, I think it might be a little bit lower than that. I do think he's a very good player, and he's going to be a very good player throughout his NBA career. But the player comp I came up with, and I think it's actually a pretty good place to start as well for his ceiling, is Wesley Matthews, former Blazers guard you know, beloved by Blazers fans, very successful with the Blazers. When you look at them, they both fell in the draft. Wes fell all the way out of the draft, and Gary fell out of the first round. Their physical profilers profiles similar. Wes is six foot four. He has a six nine wingspan. Gary's six five has a six eight and a half inch wingspan. Wes is two hundred twenty pounds. Gary's two hundred ten. If you use the player comparison tool at basketball reference, you can compare Wes's numbers per 100 possessions to Gary's numbers over the past two seasons, comparing it to Wes's career, and they're almost identical. 
points, 20.9 for West to 20.7 for Gary. Remember, this is per 100 possessions. Shooting, they're really close on field goal percentage. Wes is at 42%, Gary at 43%. Gary's better at, outs, you know, at the threes, 42%, 38% for Wes. Wes is a little bit better at the free throw line, but they're both solid there. Wes is a little bit better rebounder and a little bit better playmaker. And that's one thing that I'd like to see Gary Trent Jr. do more is rebound the ball better and, you know, get more assists because he doesn't get very, very many of either of those. They're about equal in steals, Wes at 1.7, Gary at 1.5. And Gary, one of the things he does really well is he takes care of the ball. You know, per 100 possessions, less than a turnover, and Wes is at 2.0. So that, that makes up a little bit for the lower assist numbers. The biggest difference I found, though, even though they seem so similar to me, and even on the court when I'm watching Gary Trent Jr., I see Wes Matthews in him. The, the, the way he plays defense, the way he, you know, hits – three pointers, uh, you know, as a trailer on the break, he reminds me of West La West Matthews just out on the court. But even though Gary Trent Jr. reminds me of West Matthews as a defender, when I'm watching him, if, like we've talked about this season, the, the, the numbers, the stats, the analytics don't really marry up with what we think of as of Gary Trent Jr. as a defender right now by the numbers. He hasn't been very good. I'm just going to, uh, spotlight two of them from basketball reference just to show the difference between where Wes Matthews has been in his career as a defender and where Gary Trent Jr. is right now. So defensive rating, past two seasons, Gary Trent Jr. is 120 in basketball reference. And for his career, Wes Matthews was 109. And defensive box score plus minus, Gary Trent Jr. is a negative 2.7. So that's not good. And West for his career is a 0.1 on the positive ledger. So for me, I think that we can take someone like West not only as a good player comparison for Gary, but also maybe a level that Gary hasn't quite reached yet. And I think that that might be his ceiling, you know, is a West Matthews type player who's a real three and D wing who can lock down, you know, the team's best player on offense and can also hit threes and, and score points. And you've seen that right now. I think Gary Trent Jr. is better at the three part of three and D than he is at the defensive part. But I also do think he's going to be a good defender. To me, he passes the eyeball test. So I keep waiting for the defensive metrics to catch up to what I'm seeing on the court from him defensively. But Wes Matthews, for me, he's both the player comp and his ceiling. I do have a question for you guys. Do you okay. think I'm selling Gary Trent Jr. short by putting Wes Matthews as his ceiling? That, that's what's actually really fun about the ceiling part of this question, because I, you could tell me Gary Trent ends up making an all-star team at some point in his career. And I could be like, I could say, yeah, I could see that happening. Like, obviously there's a lot of room to grow there, but I think he has the ability to potentially, if every, if he hits all his check marks, he could definitely become, you know, a guy who makes one all-star team in his career. Uh, if he ends up being a guy like Wesley Matthews, I mean, Wesley Matthews, that Blazers team he was on, I mean, he was, what, you know, third best player on those Blazers teams, fourth best player on those Blazers teams that if they stayed healthy, who knows what they could have done, you know, in the playoffs. Maybe they're a team who gets to the finals one of those years. Uh, I, I don't think you're selling him short. I think the array of possibilities for Gary Trent Jr., I think it's – that's what's fun about this is that we've seen him play now for a significant amount of time. And I don't think any of us really know exactly how his career is going to end up. Like maybe he's just going to be what he is now. I could see that as a possibility too. 
but I could also see him continuing to build and grow his game. What about you, Orlando? Oh, man, you know how I feel about Gary Trent Jr. I mean, <laughs> his ceiling is all-star, man. Uh, okay. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take, like you guys said, just a variety of things that, that have to complement his game. Like, he's going to get better. Uh, his mentality, his attitude, his hunger for the game, like – I don't think that's going to change even if he becomes featured on a team. Like, let's say it's not in Portland. Let's say he ends up somewhere else and um, is asked to do more and take on a larger role offensively. Those are all things that are going to play into this. Will, Will he be a number two guy on a really good team? Will he have that opportunity? Or will he continue to be a, a, the third or fourth option or fifth option for the Blazers? You know, like all of those things play into this. And I think that's what, like you said, makes this question so interesting is that there are so many factors that play into an NBA player in general being successful because there are a lot of players who should be in the league that aren't in the league. And there are a lot of players in the league that maybe shouldn't be in the league versus those guys that are on the sidelines. And so, Right place, right time, timing, all of that stuff matters. But in terms of just my belief in, in Gary Trent Jr., man, like the ceiling is maybe unrealistically high for me <laughs> in him, you know, but I do see him as if everything goes right as an all-star. I feel he's a little unique in the sense that when guys come up and they're really good shooters, we don't think they can really become playmakers. I think we just think they're good shooters. But I think, and then on the other hand, there are guys who come up as playmakers who then we don't think can become a good shooter or they have to work their whole careers to become a good shooter. But those guys who you know are good shooters right away, I feel like not a lot of them have the playmaking ability that I think Gary Trent Jr. has. Now, I could be overestimating that. It's clearly not there right now. He shoots worse on two-pointers than he does on three-pointers. And so his ability to finish at the rim, things like that need to move. To need to improve dramatically and his assist numbers are, are pretty much nothing he gets like one mm-hmm. assist a game so he needs to figure out a way to get teammates involved if he's going to have the ball in his hands more moving forward in his career but those are things that I think he can grow into and yeah. and improve and and be a good player in all those facets of the game which is why I think he's kind of unique that mm-hmm. we just we still I think it's a big open book for him oh, uh, totally totally as far as my player comp, I, I did think of Wesley Matthews, Jared. I didn't pursue it because of the defense, as you talked yeah. about, because the I'm with you. The, Gary Trent certainly shows flashes. And I don't know, maybe that's why we think he's a good defender, is we, we see these flashes where he makes a big defensive play. Or maybe there's something else as to why the analytics, the advanced stats, don't tell us that he's that great of a defender right now in his career. Um, I think when you're watching him, too, because of how physical he is on defense – and how aggressive he is. He just, he seems like a good defender out there. Like, um, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to really study him more closely to find out why, you know, the metrics say that he isn't at this point, because he seems like when I'm watching him play, I think he's one of the Blazers better defenders, but so far the numbers don't bear that out. Yeah. I'm going to, my player comp is going to be to another young player. Um, And it's going to be the Tyler hero. Um, for Miami Heat. And I think people, you know, across the country, if you told them Gary Trent Jr. and Tyler Hero are similar players or give you, you know, somewhat similar production right now, I don't think, I think people would be surprised by that. You know, in part, Tyler Hero was the first round pick. He played at Kentucky. 
He played, he had big moments in the playoffs on a team that got to the NBA finals last year. But if you look at their per 36 this year, Gary Trent's 17 and a half points per game, Tyler Hero's 18 points per game. The rebound and assist numbers are better for Hero because he's more of a playmaker right now in his career. But I, like I said, I think Gary Trent Jr. could grow into that type of playmaker. And Hero is a good three-point shooter, not as great as Trent. Trent's a better three-point shooter right now, uh, but Hero's better at twos. So like I said, he's better right now as a playmaker and creator. But I think those two right now, we talked about ceiling, and I certainly think Tyler Hero could be an all-star player at some point in his career. And I think he and Gary Trent are really comparable players right now. And so that's who I went with. And, I mean, if you had to repick, you know, last year's draft, you know, you'd still have Zion and Ja would be one and two in some order. But Tyler Hero might be the third guy taken in that draft by some people. And so that's the type of value that I think the Blazers had in Gary Trent right now, which is really saying something. I think it's a real steal. And so Tyler Hero was kind of the guy uh, I went for. I like that comparison. I'd like to see more of uh, what Tyler Hero brings in rebounding and playmaking. I'd I'd like to see that from Gary Trent Jr. That's something that up to this point is is missing from his game, and I'd be interested to see. Uh, I don't know if I'm as confident as you are, Nate, that he can develop those those skills, but I'd like to see him develop it. Yeah, uh, totally. Um, I wonder, like part of me is, is it the fact that, those opportunities aren't there. That's not his role uh, for him to be unleashed. But now that you're seeing him a little bit more, it, I can see why uh, you know you would you would say that and why he probably needs more work at becoming a playmaker versus spot up shooter or you know whatever his role is uh, that you would describe for the Blazers right now. So um, I, I just yeah, it, it's definitely. Um, an open book with him. And I think the other thing that I really enjoyed, probably the thing I've enjoyed most about his game uh, is there's just a lot of intangibles that he has uh, when you see him play. And because I was thinking about this as I've been watching the past couple of games, you know, Jared was bringing up the numbers that don't support him as, as, you know, this great uh, defender that maybe we view him as. Um, And so it just it seeing him do a lot of little things out there. I'm like, man, he you can just see the potential in his game defensively, and I mean, offensively, he's he's continued to get better. So I just I just think there's so much more upside with him. And I went down like the the rabbit hole of of 5:38, and was yeah. just you know they have this like how good will Gary Trent Jr. be option where you can type him type in his name, and it brings up like the most 10 comparable players, you know, and it, it rates rates them based on, you know, a variety of different things from usage percentage to free throw frequency. I mean, it's, it, it's got the works on here. And so a couple of the, the players that, that popped up really caught my eye um, in, in a player like Chris Middleton, where, you know, obviously their features aren't the same. Middleton's a, a bigger dude, but uh, just in terms of upside, I'm like, man, that that would be that would probably be maybe a little bit too high because he's what a two time all star, but yeah, that's about to be a three time. Yeah, yeah b- about to be a three time all star. But could could he potentially be there if all things went right? I don't know. I I I'm not totally against that. And so that was kind of where I pitched 
my ceiling or where I where I put it up at as a, what 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 would uh, Michael Jordan say the the roof is the ceiling or the ceiling is yeah. the roof <laughs> but um, other guys that came to mind that that as I was looking up you know shooting guards that are that are pretty good that are maybe along the same trajectory of the way that you know a Tyler Hero is was like a, a guy like Buddy Hield you know where they're just deadly shooters um, that have the ability to get hot and streaky um there were i wanted to read off a couple more players that were on that that list of you know the most comparable players um daniel gibson these are really based on on like the numbers og ananobi caldwell pope gary harris uh were all in the top five so i just thought it was super interesting but just really looking at at him i i view him just as as that maybe unrealistic ceiling that I have for, for Gary Trent Jr. at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think Chris Middleton, I actually thought of him too, just because of the three-point shooting capability. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's, to me, that was a little high for me. But uh, yeah. the other guys like Gary Harris, I mean, Contavious Caldwell-Pope's a perfect piece for that Lakers team right now. But those guys, I think he'd be better than, you know, those last four names you all mentioned. I think he's right kind of where those guys are right now, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And I think he could get better. Yeah, maybe even a little better than some of those guys. Yeah. Um, well, you brought up a little bit uh, a little while ago, Orlando, um, about how hard he works. I think that should give Blazers fans confidence that he is going to improve. I mean, one, he's only 22 years old. And two, he is a notoriously hard worker. I mean, in the offseason, you always hear that whenever they have like those, uh, you know, media availabilities with Neil Olshay, he always talks about who's in the practice facility there in the in the gym you know, working out and Gary Trent Jr. is always one of the players who's there. I mean, he, he's tireless in his, his drive to improve during the off season. So I do think that he will continue to get better. I liked hearing from uh, Dame the other night after the, uh, the magic game. Uh, I think it was Casey Holdall who asked him about what he's seen out of Gary Trent Jr. And I like I, what I like about Dame is he's he's pretty honest and open about how he sees things, and just his track record in Dame saying I think this guy is good, this guy has impressed me, whether that's you know league wide or within the team, whether that's hey who should the Blazers draft or who should the who who do you like uh, you know on the team, Dame's been pretty spot on with who's impressed him this off season, who's improved. And um, hearing him talk about Gary Trent Jr. Uh, after that Orlando game, it was like he was proud to see the, the amount of improvement that Trent has made in going from, you know, that bench player who every now and then would get some playing time to gradually just improving on his role to the point where he's really forced Stotts to play him in a lot of ways. Um, even when... CJ is healthy and when this team is better like there's a decision that has to be made on a night-to-night -night basis on whether Gary Trent Jr. should be getting more minutes and uh that was I I think that said a lot um the other night hearing Dame talk about Trent that way and, and saying you know he brings that dog spirit to the starting lineup and uh it was just one of those moments where when when Dame reveals something it it, it almost feels like it's gonna happen like it, it's he's called it 
Yeah, I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like at least especially over the last week or two, like Gary Trent Jr. has been their second best player, you know, outside of Dame. And in that Philly, in that Philly game, the offense ran through Gary Trent Jr. When when Dame was out, the guy they went to to run the offense through wasn't Carmelo Anthony. It was Gary Trent Jr., you know. And so I, I think he's taking huge strides and I think he can take plenty more. You guys ready to make some predictions? Let's do it. Hopefully it goes oh, yeah. better than last week. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So the Blazers play five games between now and the next time that we record. Thursday against the 76ers, who are 18 and 7. Friday against the Cavaliers, they're 10 and 15. Sunday at the Mavericks, 11 and 14. Tuesday at the Thunder, they're 10 and 13. And Wednesday at the Pelicans, they're 11 and 12. Which games do the Blazers win? Which games do the Blazers lose? Well, gents, last week we went one and two, as we discussed at the top of the show. Uh, Orlando, you are 14 and five on the season this year. Jared, 13 and six. I am 12 and seven. So a game separating all of us. Uh, and my pick this week is going to be the Blazers go two and three. Uh, and I think it's going to be a lot of the seesaw we've kind of seen since the injuries happened. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say the 76ers blow them out for real this time, uh, this upcoming week. Uh, then they bounce back, get a win against the Cavs. Colin Sexton's been fun, but the team has really struggled uh, lately. The Mavs, this is the game I probably went back and forth on the most because it's going to be like the Wizards game where it's going to be a lot of points. No teams play defense. I'm just going to give the edge to Luca and, and the Mavs in that one. So Blazers drop one of the Mavs. They come back. They beat Oklahoma City. And then they face the Pelicans, who have been playing better over the last two weeks. Uh, and I say the Pelicans get them uh, on a back-to-back, and the Blazers go two and three over those five. Those are good picks. Um, I think that this these next five games is kind of – we were ta- we were really confident last week and – you know, felt like the games were kind of predictable to be able to pick them. I feel like these five games are less so. Um, these are some, even though their records aren't great, I still think there are some tough, you know, the Mavericks, they're, they're under 500, but I, how do you count out a team that has Luka Doncic? You know, you just can't. So I actually have them going three and two. So it's kind of similar to Nate, but flipping one of those. I do think they're going to lose to the 76ers. That's... Uh, they're going to avenge that loss to, to the Blazers. I kind of just looked at this. I, you know, looking at how we've talked about these past 10 games for the Blazers, I decided to just look at what these five teams have done over the past 10 games as well to make my picks. The Cavs are two and eight in their past 10 and their net ratings negative 13. So that's a, a, a win for the Blazers on my uh, list here. The Mavericks one was the, was the most difficult call the Mavericks, you know, they're three and seven in their past 10, a negative 7.8 net rating. So even though I think Luka Don, Doncic, is, Doncic is really good, how do you say that name again? Luka Doncic. Um, I'm going to give the Blazers a win. The Thunder, they're four and six in their past 10, a negative 5.7 net rating. So I'm going to give the Blazers a revenge game there. And then I agree with you, the Pelicans, they're playing really well. They're six and four in their last 10 but it's, they have a plus 3.6 net rating. Uh, and they pose a lot of matchup problems for the Blazers as well. So I'm going to give the Pelicans the win there. So three and two for the Blazers. 
Let's go, Orlando. I want to hear 5-0 and o coming out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, uh, this week, Jared's right, man. These are these are tough picks, especially the uh, the middle three or – yeah, the middle three games. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, 76 ers getting that revenge, man. They didn't, they didn't forget. They didn't forget. Uh, <laughs> this this might be a game where uh, things get out of hand. You just rest in. We might yep. see a lot of CJ Ellaby again, but in the way we would usually expect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so since we all agree on that game, I think we all know how that's going to play out. Yeah. The total opposite. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, they're, I think they're going to beat the, the Cavaliers. And then things get a little interesting. The reason why I felt so good about the loss to the Pelicans is because it's a back-to-back mm-hmm. on the road. I saw how bad they looked against New York, and I know that that, that Knicks team, their defense is, is played so well. Uh, but I just, I just don't like them in back-to-back scenarios on the road. Um, and so I'm going to say that they, they get a, a, a little sandwich there, you know, with the, the loss at the beginning and the loss in the end. And all kinds of good stuff in the middle with wins. Uh, okay. <laughs> there, you so there go. we go. Yep. You, you guys, you're going the Jared route there. Going the Jared route. Yeah. So I can't make any, I can't gain any ground on Orlando, but Nate can gain some ground on us if, if we're wrong. Yeah. This, this week definitely provides more uncertainty. Like they could yeah. go one and four and I would totally. be surprised or they could go four and one and I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, so this should be a, Man, a lot of games packed in here over like a seven, eight day stretch. It's gonna be fun, man. And uh, Luca's gonna eat. <laughs> oh, he's gonna eat. I, I'm just hoping that you know Dame can go shot for shot. Yeah, well, I hope that's exactly what we get. Luca and yeah. Dame, pretty much one v one with eight other dudes on the court. That I live awesome. for. Who's your Zion stopper this year, Orlando? <laughs> I, I do need one. Yeah. I do need one. Whew. I gave Covington more of a chance than uh than we had last season. Ariza, ooh, 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 I was gonna say it was Ariza, right? That was my Zion. Ariza was the Zion stopper last yeah, year. Yeah, man. <laughs> Baysmore Island and my uh, Zion stopper. That was <laughs> legendary, right there. But you you know who is a legend on this podcast? None other than the one and only Max Barr. Guys, it is great to be back with another week of Rip It. We are living in a historic time for many reasons. One of them being Orlando's Rip It three-piece. <laughs> Amazing. Can his hot streak continue? Let's find out how you guys did last week. No, it can't continue. Even, no, it just, it can't continue. Yeah. Just because he's on a three-peat, this may be the first time I've ever rooted for Nate. If I'm not going to win, I might root for Nate to win Rip It this week. How about some confidence in yourself, Jared? Hey, I said if I'm not going to win. (laughs) I I think Jared knows he's so bad at Rip It. He's like, it's not going to be me. (laughs) <laughs> I have been exceptionally bad at Rip It this season. I will, I will give you that. This long, long road, though, man. It's a long road. <laughs> All right. Going back to the surprising 76ers win. Question for this game was, who will get more rebounds, Robert Covington or Tobias Harris? 
Jared went with Harris because you said he was on your fantasy team. Orlando and Nate both went with Rocco. Yeah. And this was Tobias Harris with 11 rebounds in the game. Covington had six. Ooh. What? Because he was on my fantasy team, I knew that one coming in. <laughs> Who's getting all the rebounds for the Blazers on those Philly misses? Ellaby. <laughs> he was everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Blazers at Knicks. Question was, who will score the most points in this game? Carmelo Anthony. Anthony Simons or Nick's rookie Emmanuel quickly. And I knew what I was doing with this question. I was pulling at all of your heartstrings, except for Jared. Jared went with quickly. Orlando, you said mellow in the garden, baby, three to the dome. Let's go. (laughs) Oh man. And Nate, you, you kind of went back and forth in your head a little bit, but then you said you went with Simons because you said you weren't betraying him. Yeah. I'm not doing what Orlando did to win a rip it the couple of weeks. <laughs> I'm loyal. Well, well, Simons had 12 points in the game. All right. Which was 10 more than Mello, who only had two points that was a rough in his game, return man. to Madison Square Garden. Quickly, 12 points as well. <laughs> oh, no. Which means Jared and Nate, you're both going to get this one right because you, you guys both picked. Oh, nice. We both winner and you guys tied. So Orlando didn't get that one. Oh, man. Good thing there weren't fans at Madison Square Garden that game. That would have been Ooh. rough. Well, That's what he needed. He needed the fans there. <laughs> I tell you, I do like I think him. you're right. I think Quickly's really good rookie. Next question, same game. Over under 33 and a half points and rebounds combined for Julius Randle. Jared and Orlando took the over. Nate, you went under. You said, I'm never picking Randall again. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. Randall had 22 points, 11 rebounds for a total oh, of 33. Man. No. By the slimmest of margins, he went under. Oh, oh. Max, that was a great number. <laughs> oh, man. Max Thank does you. it again. Max gets a point for that one. Oh, man. That, that's why you can't trust Julius Randall, my friend. <laughs> you can't trust him. Lesson learned. Blazers versus Magic. Question was, who will make the most three-pointers in this game? Terrence Ross, Anthony Simons, or Nikola Vucevic? Nate, two questions after you said you wouldn't betray Simons, you betrayed him. (laughs) (laughs) And went with Vucevic. (laughs) Oh, that's so classic. (laughs) I I don't remember Simons being an option. I don't think I heard him. I don't think I heard him. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, and then Jared and Orlando, you both went with the local product, Terrence Ross, the human torch. <laughs> Ross was, I mean, it was flame on for the game, but he only went two for seven from three. Man. As did Vucevic, two for seven as well. Oh. Simons got hot in that third quarter yeah. and made three of them. He went three for eight from the game. So nobody got that one. I'm sorry. Did you Ann, learn your I'm lesson, sorry. Nate? Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Betrayal. I'm Pure sorry. betrayal. Another lesson learned, hopefully. Yes. In Rip It. That brings us to the wild card question of the week. And the question was Will Gary Trent Jr. shoot over or under 42% from three over those three games? Jared, you went over. Orlando, you also went over. You said you're just going to continue on this ride. 
And Nate, you went under, and your reasoning was you thought Philly would focus on Trent with no Damian Lillard in the game. Yeah, they, uh, if they focused on it, they not focus well. <laughs> no, the, the Philadelphia game was Trent's best shooting game of the three. Yeah. He went four for nine in that game, only three for 11 against the Knicks. Mm. And three for nine against Orlando. Oh, no. he, so he shot 34% over the three games, which oh. is under. Nate Way got under. it. And Nate wins the week three out of five. Oh. Woo! Orlando, Orlando, the the magic died quickly there. Really oh, did, for five. Oh. Jared, two for five. Pain. And, you know, this is a good win. You know, it feels good to win, even though I betrayed Anthony. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to do that again. I can learn my hard lesson while also picking up a win. It's, it's a nice life to live here. I'm only one behind Orlando now. That's two on the year for me. Oh. You know, I said I was rooting for Nate earlier. I take that back. <laughs> now I'm just annoyed. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get to this week's game. Five games, five questions, wild cards taking the week off. Let's start with the rematch, Blazers versus 76ers. Over under 30 and a half points for Joel Embiid. I'm going to go, oh, man. I'm going to go under, despite all the evidence we saw last week suggesting otherwise. I think I'll go over. No, changing. <laughs> I think this is going to be a blowout, so I don't think Embiid's going to play enough under. Okay. Uh, I, I was going to go under but just to be different I'll, I'll go over oh man <clears throat> all right blazers versus cavaliers who will score the most points in this game gary trent jr andre drummond or darius garland oh man <laughs> hmm. this is a wide range of players you've got going on run here. through that for me again i'm sorry gary trent jr andre drummond or Darius Garland. And this is most points. Most points in the game. I'm going to go with Gary Trent Jr., the Human Torch Part 2. All right. Orlando, who are you going with? I mean, come on now, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Apologize for asking. Gary Trent Jr., a.k.a. future (laughs) all-star. The next Chris Middleton, as Orlando would say. Well, it worked for me last week, taking a guy on my fantasy team, so I'll do it again this week, Darius Garland. All right. Blazers at the Mavs. Who will make the most three-pointers? Robert Covington, Carmelo Anthony, or Josh Richardson? Oh, man. Orlando's going three to the dome. Yeah, I mean, you're making this so easy for me. I don't even have to think about <laughs> think about these questions. Man, I I don't even like the other options outside of Melo, but I don't want to pick him. Uh, man, let's go with Josh Richardson finds the touch for a night. I'm going to stick with Orlando, and I'm going to go with uh, Carmelo Anthony. Smart man. Smart man. 
All right, really? Blazers at Thunder. I got zero last week. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you bringing up old stuff? <laughs> Blazers at Thunder. Who will block more shots in this game? Ennis Cantor, Al Horford, or Shea Gilgis Alexander? Man. Man, Max, you are throwing some ones out here. Give me the guard. Yeah, I'll take Going with Shay. Yep. All right. Same. No belief in the friend of the pod, apparently, around here. <laughs> go with Ennis. That's why people say you don't like Ennis Orlando right there. <laughs> you pick him over a guard and an old man. Where's the love? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fifth game, Blazers at Pelicans. Which total will be greater? Assists by Eric Bledsoe or three-pointers by Damian Lillard? Uh, I'm learning my lesson. I'm not going to pull my game here. Uh, Let's go with Dame over Eric Bledsoe. I'm proud of you, Nate. Give me Dame. (laughs) Yeah, is it a you, sweep? Oh, yeah. You, I don't think you should have uh, Dame as, as part of Rip It for quite some time because <laughs> <laughs> we've, all, we've all learned the lesson of picking against Dame. So it, it's like point like, taken. The only <laughs> scenario I could have thought of maybe picking someone other than Dame is like Zion points against the Blazers. <laughs> <laughs> like all the way. There's probably others. But... Even then, I still would have gone with Dame. Yeah. So... <laughs> I wouldn't have learned with that lesson, one. probably, but I'm, <laughs> I'm learning it now. All right, good stuff, guys. It wraps up another week of Rip It. Well, Nate, as winner of Rip It, I'd like you to have the final word on this pod. Oh, nice. Yeah, there we go. Well, thank you to everyone for reaching out over the last week. Thank you to everyone for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that button. Give us those five-star reviews. It really helps us. And uh, guys, why don't you say uh, we, we run it back next week? Why don't we? See ya.